Welcome to the Teaching Tax Flow Podcast, where the goal is to empower and educate you to legally and ethically minimize taxes paid over your lifetime. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Teaching Tax Flow, the podcast. On to episode 28 Self Employed Basics. In this episode, Chris and myself are going to run through a lot of little tidbits, if we can call them that. Um, just really into making that plunge, or if you've already made the plunge and you are self-employed already, um, maybe some things that we'll kind of chat about that'll give you a little bit of advice to help you plan for, for next year, or maybe go back a little bit and adjust the way that you've been doing things. But fantastic episode. We cram a lot into about 15 minutes here, so hang on. Um, one other thing, be sure to go on to teachingtaxflow.com backslash store. There's actually a self-employed basics meaning lesson we know you guys will love. If you're already a member of Teaching Tax Flow, you'll see that in your dashboard. So be sure to check that out if you haven't done so already. But before we jump into the episode, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Strategic Associates. Are you a high income earner, real estate investor, or successful entrepreneur who is frustrated by having to pay $75,000 or more of annual tax liability? If so, Strategic Associates can help. Your first step to saving thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, is to contact Roger Roundy at roger at strategicag.net or by calling 801-641-2956 and be sure to tell them TTF sent you. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I am the co-host here, John Trapalski. Chris, how are we doing, man? Oh, I'm another co-host. Chris Picuro here with Johnny T. There he goes. The place to be. We can't let him escape this. Another great topic. So this one was actually brought to us and voted on by the members of the De Defeating Taxes private Facebook group. So if you did not vote, shame on you. If you're not a member of that group, big shame on you. But let's cut to it. So we're going to talk about self-employment basics. So really what that means is those of you that are self-employed, you may be familiar with some of this, maybe not might be a little refresher, maybe some new information. So we'll get into it. We'll give you a little introduction on it. We'll jump into the, some of the formation management, asset protection, taxation, reporting, fringe benefits, IRS guidelines, and maybe even leave you with a little call to action. So without further ado, let's get in it. And Chris, give us basically, a, a five, you know what, do it in two seconds, I dare you. Um, maybe a little longer. What does it mean to be self-employed? Work for yourself. Bingo. Oh, that's you excited on your own. I'm proud of you, buddy. Impressed with myself also. Um, I would love, I would love, <laughs> of course. It's so, you, and you should be, right? Because you know all this information. Um, so let's, let's look at it from the perspective of somebody that may have had this idea. They really want to take the plunge, right? They really want to look at themselves in the mirror every day and say, you know what? I'm self-employed. Now, I doubt you're going to have a giant tattoo that says, I am self-employed. That's my goal. Um, but let's look at it. Where do they start? Where's step one? Well, I think something, it, first of all, it's a pleasure to be here and back on a Teaching Tax Slow podcast. And John, if you are not in the Defeating Taxes private Facebook group, just go to defeatingtaxes.com and jump in there. We want to hear from you. Self-employed. One misconception I think that we have is that someone that is self-employed is full-time self-employed. We have several people that are employed and also self-employed. A great example is, and there's a previous podcast, is someone in the gig economy, Uber driver. We love our Uber driver guy, don't we? Or girl. They keep us out of trouble. Musician. So really, freelancer. What you're saying here, just to make sure that I heard you right, and everybody else did, 
you can be both. You're not in one bucket. You can be in both. You could be a full-time employee somewhere and you can be self-employed in the other. Exactly. If you are earning income based on a performance of a service or running a business, you are by default self-employed. Self-employed people are not required to file a form document with any state filing agencies. They don't even have to file with a or an assumed name certification. It could be John Chapolsky proprietor. So an owner, someone that is self-employed is also referred to as a proprietor. And like I said, there are no, there's no formal entity documents required. You don't have to file LLC documents with the state. You're just a, you're just a proprietor. Now, you might, if you hire employees or collect sales tax or anything like that, that's a different issue, which we're going to dive into in a few minutes. But just forming your entity, there's no formality to it. By default, you're self-employed if you're earning income by conducting a business or being a consultant. And one of our first podcasts was really focused on single member LLC. So go back and listen to that one too after we're done here. But you bring up a good point, right? So maybe that giant barrier to entry for some into becoming quote unquote self-employed is they think it's a lot harder than it is, right? So it's very simple in a sense. It's just having somebody who's on your board of directors. There we go. Another previous podcast. And really just being along for the ride with you as far as for when it comes tax time, right? Exactly. When we're talking about the formation and management, the business begins, exists, and concludes based on the proprietor's activities. If you start your own business, John, and a week later you say, well, this is terrible, I don't like it, and you close your business, that business is done. There's no filing a form with the state. There's, it's just done. That proprietorship is complete. And this is a great option for business owners that want simplicity. They're just getting started with their business. Um, they're not necessarily worried about asset protection. And um, that being said, one thing to consider on the asset protection side is that proprietors or self-employed people are typically liable, though, for the debts of the business. So if the business goes out and gets a, a credit card or a loan, typically the proprietor will be liable personally for that debt. And that's where the LLC would come into come into play protect protection of assets exactly the, the best feature of an llc is going to be the asset protection and anonymity but the irs does not give a flying boot that you have a llc well i wouldn't say they don't give a hoot they just it, that you'll have to check that episode yeah. out there we go because it's it's lead in. what the point is a single member llc is a disregarded entity for tax purposes once you start getting into multi-member llc's then the irs would give a little bit of a hoot so perfect, perfect. So jumping into some of the other areas, right? So we, we talked about formation. So let's get into taxation, reporting, and fringe benefits. So likely the taxation reporting is what scares people about this. The fringe benefits is probably what draws a lot of people to it. So walk, walk us through this a little bit. I know we probably, you know, in the mini lesson, that's part of teaching tax. Well, we go into a lot more detail on it, a lot more explanation. Um, I want to say there's probably a dozen bullet points that we specifically hit on here and elaborate on, but walk us through this a little bit and maybe from both sides of it, right? Like we just said, the what scares versus what draws the taxation reporting being a little freaky, you know, a little bit scares people off maybe. And the fringe benefits being really just that the benefit. The first thing to understand is that the, so let's go back to John Trapolsky Carpenter. Oh, I like it. I sound useful. Oh, you're very useful. <laughs> you're very useful. 
which actually you have a general contractor's license, but that's another episode, John. We're going to talk about that in the future. John Trapolsky Carpenter, you create, you're now a sole proprietor. John Trapolsky Carpenter, the sole proprietorship or the business we call the entity is not taxed. No tax is paid by your entity. All, so we're talking about taxation. All the tax reporting is, is all the tax profit and deductions are put on your personal tax return. Typically, that means that it's going to go on a Schedule C. So in that Schedule C, you're going to pay an ordinary, your, your marginal tax rate, and you're going to be subject to self-employment tax. So from a tax perspective, typically a sole proprietorship is taxed at, at the highest rate out there. Now, most many sole proprietors don't have much of taxable income or a profit when they start, so they're not too concerned about that. So with that too, an example being, and correct me if I'm wrong, so say you have, um, say on your W-2, you're collecting, say, we'll just say 100000 a year in annual income. So you have 100000 Say you went out on your own and your first year, you had a very large marketing, you know, your marketing expense or sales expenses outweighed your, your revenue. So say you had a $25,000 loss. So really what you're saying here is when it comes time to report, you've made 75 grand, right? Does it offset? Or you, you mentioned that they're separate, but they're linked together, some of your carryovers. On the tax reporting side, your W-2 wages will be reported separately than your business. Your business will rep will report a loss. In that case, it would be on Schedule C. And then assuming you have something called material participation, which the vast majority of businesses, self-employed people have that with their business. Let's assume that you do have that that $25,000 loss would offset the W-2 wages and it would reduce the federal tax that you pay. And that would be reported on a Schedule C. So that's the tax reporting side. The plus, oh, no, I was going to say in that topic too, on material participation. So in layman's terms, it basically means that you're involved in the operations to some regard. Exactly. We in, in teaching tax flow, we have a, a lot of resources as far as passing the material participation test, but the vast, vast majority of sole, sole proprietors or self-employed folks pass the material participation test. So that all gets reported on Schedule C. The positive is if you're self-employed and you're paying health insurance premiums, instead of those premiums being a personal deduction as an itemized deduction, yes, there's another podcast on itemized deductions, the schedules, you can offset or you can re deduct those health insurance premiums, what we call above the line, but as a as a business deduction, as long as you're as you have as long as you have net income with Schedule C. Now those health insurance premiums, not to get too technical, so but we don't want people driving off the road. Those health insurance premiums that are deducted are not um, they don't offset self employment tax, but they do offset federal tax. And one thing to consider too. We have a lot of self-employed people out there that pay medical Medicare premiums. Let's say they're drawing Social Security, yet they're still self-employed. Those Medicare premiums are deductible against your self-employment income. So that's a little tip. And and with that too, and and this one I really don't know the answer to. Usually I know a lot of these before I ask you anyway, just to verify, you know. Um, but say you have a spouse who's in public education. So say, well, whatever job, say that healthcare is a benefit that they receive, but you are the individual 
that is self-employed. Mm -hmm. Is that still considered a fringe benefit or is there a separation in there? Well, that would be a fringe be John, are you talking about me? Your wife? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there is. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm exactly talking about that. There is a... So here's what happened. The fringe benefit for the person in education would be working... So if they are on a group health insurance plan and they're making contributions to the group health insurance plan, they're going to get a tax deduction for that. That's going to be a, uh, a Section 125 cafeteria-style deduction, and it'll come off of your W-2 wages for the educator before you pay tax. Now, me being self-employed, if I have profit, and let's say it's really expensive for me to be on that policy and I take out a personal health insurance policy, then I can offset my self-employment income with my, my policy. And I know that's a whole other area, so that, thank you for jumping into that. So looking, looking down that list a little more, what are a few other things we'd be looking at here? One more thing I want to talk about as far as the reporting. Proprietors are most likely going to qualify for the Section 199A, or Qualified Business Income Deduction, which is an additional federal deduction of up to 20% of your net income. We're going to do an episode in the future with some advanced self-employment tax strategies. And we talk about blending strategies a lot. So but what... There are times, because I know you mentioned fringe benefits, where a proprietor could legitimately hire their spouse and provide fringe benefits to their spouse as the only employee. And that's that's a way that you could find uh, an avenue to take personal expenses, which are health healthcare expenses, and make them all tax deductible. So there, there's some flexibility there, but in general, that those health insurance premiums, that's an advantage of being a sole proprietor that you can deduct your health insurance premiums against your net income, typically from Schedule C. Awesome, awesome. So thank you again for recapping that. So so really with that, what I'm taking from it, right, is there's a low barrier to entry into becoming self-employed. It's a lot easier than some people think so far in our conversation, but then also there are some very significant fringe benefits. So some of the stuff people talk about is, oh, it's a write-off, it's free, it's not the case. So some of those myths we'll talk about later. I know we have a whole other podcast we were discussing just myths. Um, but let's keep going down the list here. So what are some other things that we can add to this regarding, you know, kind of staying in the in the basics, right? So what are a couple of call to actions? What can we leave some of these listeners with? Say, you know, here's a couple points to take these home with you. Remember these, um, write them down in your notebook, um, press repeat over and over and over again on this podcast. What are a couple? Right. So for someone that is self-employed and owns rental properties in general, as I said before, you're going to report those rental properties or you're going to report your self-employment income on Schedule C. In that case, you as a rental property owner that's self-employed, you're going to report that typically on Schedule E. And then also if you're a farmer, there's a separate schedule for that called the Schedule F. When we talk about calls to action, here's what you want to think about. If you have a business or are looking to start one, Really determine if the self-employment fits your current needs and your needs for the next two to three years. You can evolve to forming an, an entity in the future, but typically when you're first starting out, sole proprietorship is, is your best option. That being said, if you're concerned about asset protection and comfortable with the compliance costs, you can consider forming an LLC right from the get-go. Most People that start off in business start as a sole proprietor. Excellent. And that's a recap again. 
any LLC questions, I believe it was episode two or three that we did specific on that. We go into a lot of detail. So great resource there. Exactly. If you're self-employed, you may have heard about the S-Corporation election strategy. Consider forming an S-Corporation to legally and ethically reducing your self-employment tax paid if you are self-employed and you have a significant amount of net income. We are going to have an S-Corporation Basics episode as well. S-Corporations can be a fabulous thing and can be utilized by many taxpayers to legally and ethically reduce the tax they pay. But there are a lot of considerations, and I actually see it as, in, it's, I wouldn't say it's overused, but it's misdiagnosed. We talk about diagnosed prescribed. For the right taxpayer profile or diagnosis, the S-Corp makes sense. So if you're, if you're thinking about that, again, jump into that private Facebook group and, and utilize the resources that Teaching Tax Flow has. And with that, with an S-Corp, say you elect to, to file as an S-Corp, you're, you're in a sense, you're an employee of the corporation. So without going into detail, is that so correct? Yes, you are. You have completely changed things from a tax perspective. Now, proprietors with real property, it's extremely rare that you're going to benefit from an S election. Sometimes, now, if you're in the house flipping uh, or wholesaling, sometimes S Corp does make sense, but the buy and hold rental property, S Corp election, less than 1% of the time makes any sense. And I already talked about potentially hiring your spouse or a family member if they're doing legitimate work for your business and you're tri you want to take advantage of more fringe benefit deductions. And you always consider what state you live in. I talked about the S Corporation in the state of Tennessee where I reside. We have a Tennessee franchise and excise tax, which really hinders the value of an S Corp election. Every state is different. Excellent. Well, thanks, for Chris, thanks Chris, for jumping into this. I mean, I, mean, I know we kind of hit this a little bit faster than some, but I think we hit all the really good basics. Um, and honestly, I know we mentioned the the private Facebook group, the defeatingtaxes.com. You can go directly there. It'll drive you direct to that group on Facebook. If you're not on it, join that group, make a post, ask a question on there. You'd be very surprised how many people come out of the woodwork to support each other. Any questions on that? Um, I know we have a lot of people on there that are self-employed, anything from lawn care maintenance. Um, I know there's a lot of contractors, construction guys on there, a lot of real estate investors. So we have a wide variety of people on there. So please, please, please put, make those posts on there. Um, and besides that, we're going to keep rolling here with these great podcasts, the great shows. Send us over any ideas or any questions you guys may have on the podcast specifically. We'd love to keep elaborating on it. So absolutely. Do not be afraid to be self-employed. This country has been built by tons of great self-employed folks and entrepreneurs. And with the right resources and the right knowledge, you're going to make sure that you're equipped to legally and ethically reduce your tax and create the right business entity to operate your business in the season that you're in. Thank you so much for listening. Johnny T. Yeah. That was quite the mic drop exit there. You're like, boom, knowledge bomb. Take it. So. You got to leave it. Yeah, exactly. You want to finish strong. There you go. There you go. And to back it up even more. So really the only thing you could do wrong, well, not the only thing, but probably one of the biggest things you could do incorrectly, we'll say, with go, making that plunge or going that route with self-employees, just not planning. If you don't plan for it, you're going to make a mistake. So until then, we're going to plan for next week, and we will see you here in seven days with our next podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, and see you next week. Hey, everybody. Thank you again for joining us here on Teaching Taxful, the podcast. This was a great episode for anybody as mentioned early on and throughout it. 
uh, that if you're ever considered going into business for yourself, being titled as quote-unquote self-employed, uh, Chris had made a fantastic point, though, about you don't have to be full-time self-employed. You could be full-time at your day job and also be a gig worker, be a part-time self-employed individual. If you have a hobby business, maybe you're selling something online, so you have an e-commerce business, um, etc. Um, various, countless ways you could be self-employed. Um, that's an important point to make. Um, and thank you, Chris, for doing that. It's a great way to figure out if, if it's right for you before you fully take the plunge, right? Put your put your toes in the water, just dip them off the end of the dock and, and see how it goes. If it works out great or if it grows into something much larger, then obviously you'd feel more comfortable making that total shift um, to being full-time self-employed. So again, thank you everybody for joining us on this. Um, there is, as mentioned in the intro of this show, if you go to teachingtaxflow.com backslash store, there is a self-employed basics lesson. Um, we put it together really related to this episode, um, but dives through some stuff, goes, goes into a little bit more detail, but obviously as we talked about fringe benefits, asset protection, entity formation, etc., that could be a whole series of lessons and episodes just on those, just going into this, into the specific details on those. There's, there's a ton, um, but this will really set you up or at least kind of set the, set the framework, if you will, if you've considered going into business for yourself. So thank you everybody for joining us on here. This was a great episode that was, as mentioned as well, voted on and suggested by a member of Defeating Taxes. So if you're not on there, hop on there, join us. This is your personal invite, as I like to say, um, you can't say we didn't invite you because here it is. Um, hop on there, chime in on those conversations, send any questions, any messages you have. It's a great platform. We look forward to seeing you there.